Weezy really like my dog now. Weezy really like my friend Rick Ryan Flair. Like, Ryan like when we had Weezy. On. Rick Flair, Weezy, Snoop's like really my friend. I don't know if they're your friend. They're not. Answer this Facetime on the first. Did call. you get that? You got you I got the uh, the ice cream. Yeah. I saw that RC. First time. Dan couldn't even get Stephen A to answer. And you got all the ice cream. You know what? It would have been dope if Dan would have Facetime you. I'd have answered. Because he called people who didn't want to answer for him. <laughs> honestly, though, honestly, though, like truly, it would be it takes a it would take a special relationship for me to answer like a blanket FaceTime, like without letting me know. I got I got to do that Friday. Huh? Friday, I'm going to FaceTime people and tell crazy stories. That's one of my social media trends that I have uh, to do Friday. I so I had to be like, I'm for sure. I'm going to hang up on you. And it'll be me, great. No, that ain't. I'm gonna ain't call y'all too. I'm calling. I'm calling everybody I know that's famous. Text me before, I tell so you. I can make sure I answer. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't want you. Well, I mean, you can always just not show it if I don't answer. No, if you don't answer, it'll even be funnier. You just don't tell. Okay. That's what I told him. I'm like, if they don't answer, it's funnier. Because my my whole country thing, like I don't Facetime. I didn't Facetime nobody. Yeah. Like I don't. I think Facetime is the most worthless app in the world. My like, son. why do I need to look at you to talk? I, just, I think the the newer age people, like younger people, grew up with FaceTime, and that's the only way they talk. But why do I need to Why do I need to look at you to talk to and you? Drug dealers. I don't think you need to. Some goodness drugs. gracious! I don't, need to, I don't boy, think you this could be. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Oh. Watch how low that seat finna be for no like this. You got to go way down there. And they got to fall it. And knees gonna fall in that goddamn shit. Yeah. But why the f do you have to FaceTime people? Like, why do you need to look at That's somebody his, to talk his to His generation him? grew up on FaceTime. Why do you, bro, why do you need to look at somebody to talk to That's him? That's a good question. Because you FaceTime your your bro, and it, your phone would be right there, like, pointed at the ceiling. But <laughs> Ain't it? Just FaceTime. But it's crazy. Like, we, we don't need to, like, if we're talking, we're communicating. Why do you need to look, like, why do you need a video to see somebody? Because they grew up with FaceTime. Like, we grew up actually having to call, and I'd have to be like, hey, Mr. Porter, may I speak to Michael, please? Yeah. And they had to bring him the phone because it's at the house, but... For them, like that's how they've communicated their whole lives. Like, I, they... I, I got some questions about Curious Mike. <laughs> I got some questions. <laughs> y'all, some... y'all all live in uh, Philly. None no. of us. No, I live in Louisiana. Yeah, oh, Louisiana. You, you live out there, so then y'all just link up when y'all do the. Well, the yeah, show. so we link up to do this. They both live in Florida. Right. We were in Philly because we do a, we do inside the NFL in South Jersey. Okay. So it's like thirty minutes from gotcha. where where y'all played. Yeah, I ain't even, I ain't even, I was locked in. Yeah, I'm not gonna be like, hey, Michael, man, can't wait to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> Go hit a three. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not finna. So I just sat there. And, and you know, too, man, them seats, them, stay tight. On the wood? Yeah, I had to sit with my feet. Michael, close. Irvin, Michael Irvin said, if your feet ain't in the wood, it ain't no good. Yeah, that's what Michael Irvin said, Michael. Yeah. But playmaker different. Hold up. Limitless. Take a stomach cow, pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, got me up. On the mission, got me up. Knowing me, I got the key. On the vision, I can trust. Trust. Limitless. Take a stomach cow, pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, got me up. On the mission, got me up. Knowing me, I got the key. Welcome, brother, to the pivot, man. Appreciate y'all having me. Yeah, man. You know. It's hard for us to get people over six foot on our show. So uh, we're excited about it. This is Chan. This is Freddie T. Yeah. I'm RC, man. Uh, you know, NBA champion. I think that has to go 
without saying. So I just want to let you know, just on our show, like if you want to talk about championships, just direct all conversations this way, <laughs> right? So we got, you know, just with people, I just want you to be able to talk to people you could, that can relate to winning oh, yeah, a professional championship. Fellow champ. Like we have. Hold on, why are you going to toss that in there? I had a disclaimer. That's why I say professional. College don't College count. College don't count. I won a championship. That don't count. I, I won pop one of championships. Talking too. about professional championships. Profes you know what I mean, dog? But they have parades and stuff. Red. You know? <laughs> Red. God damn, light skin, we ain't gonna stick together. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> My fault. You know, uh, but I mean, it takes a lot to, I'm just joking, but it takes a lot to win a championship yeah. uh, individually and as a team. And you have been through a ton, uh, physically especially. I want you to take me back to, I think it was December 2021, your third back surgery, right? Your, your mother is, is, is praying over you. What are your thoughts at that time, knowing you'd been through this twice already, you thought you'd sort of made it through since before your, you know, your rookie year, and now you were back in that same place? Man, yeah, I did y'all's research. Yeah, I didn't even know the date of that third surgery. That whole time, um, it's kind of like a blur just because, you know, you're going through the pain and then you're going through the surgeries. But, I mean, that last one was probably the toughest because the first one was my first injury ever. So I'm like, man, I'm going to bounce back. I'm going to be cool, you know. Second one was tough. But then the third one, like, uh, I think I had just signed my deal, um, my, my, my long-term deal with the Nuggets, right? And I've never been the type of dude to just want to like sign a big deal and just get the money. Like I wanted to go prove like, nah, I'm, I'm worth this. Like I'm, I'm glad the team invested this in me. So I had just signed a deal, right? Came off a really good, uh, a really good season and um, signed that deal. And I'm hoping to like blow up this, this next year. And yeah, I was going to need that third surgery. And it was, uh, it was definitely heartbreaking um, because man, three surgeries, that's, that's tough. And the same mm -hmm. area in your body, like people don't really come back from that. And I had faith, you know, I, that I could could work through, but at that point I was, I wasn't really sure. Like the two previous ones, I was like, man, I, okay, I could work through this. I could still be a good player. That third one, and just after signing that deal, it was just like, God works in mysterious ways. You know, that first surgery, I could kind of see the benefit because I got to fall to the 14th pick when I may have been a a higher pick, and I got to end up falling to the Nuggets, which was a perfect fit for me. You know. Like you said, we ended up winning the championship, first player out of my class to do so. Yeah. So I could kind of see the point in that. But man, after that third one, I was like, like, you know, like God, like why? Like why does this keep happening to me? I'm putting in the work. I'm I'm doing my I'm keeping up with my core routine, everything. Like, why does this keep happening to me? Am I supposed to give basketball up? You know, I think talking talking now, like about my about my journey inspiring people, man, I get so many just DMs and messages now about how much I inspire people. And that really, I think, is a, is what I look back and I'm, I kind of see the blessing in it all now. I think people who, because he's had, he's had yeah. 18 knee surgeries. Freddie T's have surgeries. 18? Yeah. 17 knee surgeries, 25 surgeries overall. Yeah. Yeah, I've so had. So you know. Yeah, I've had surgeries as well. You know, there's the injury, right? And then there's the surgery to repair it. But to me, the hardest part is always the rehab. Mm-hmm. Were there any times during that third rehab where it just got incredibly difficult to not only handle the physical toll, but the emotional and mental toll of trying to get back to where you used to be? Yeah, I think especially just, it, it seemed like deja vu to me. Like, man, I've been through this journey 
I got to go through it again. And it's like such a long journey. Man, the back is tricky because, you know, you got nerves involved and things like that. So certain muscles weren't working right. I had lost some of my explosiveness. I'm, I'm waiting for that to come back. So I really didn't know how it was going to go. And it took a lot of faith and it really just took a lot of hard work and um, just willingness to, to even put the work in. You know, I think a lot of guys, when they go through that, they just kind of become content with being average, being an average player, you know. Um, people will understand that guy had three back surgeries. But for me, it was like, no, nah, I got to – I'm never going to give up, man. I could have five, six surgeries, you know, and mm -hmm. and this is what I love to do. This is what, how I get my happiness. This is the talent God gave me. So I'm going I'm to keep it rolling until, until I got to hang it up. So that was kind of my mindset. But to your point, I think early on after surgeries, you got to get over that feeling bad for yourself at first. I felt bad for myself. I was like, man, like – why me? You know, I'm walking around. Everybody else is healthy. They're not working as hard as me. They're not going back to the weight room and doing their their core routine and things like that. So why me? But once you get past that, I think it's just like, okay, stop feeling sorry for yourself. No matter how you feel, you got to go get your work in. Yep. And and bro, how how many times? Because I I um, heard the Clippers. The Clippers had to pick that year, and yeah. the doctor of the Clippers is the one that did your evaluation and sent the memo out. Mm -hmm. I I watched some some pods that you do with Curious Michael. Yeah. We'll talk about it today, but like, bro, I had the same exact thing. I told my ACL four times in high school. Uh -huh. So I had a time where a doctor told me and my mom were sitting there and told me, you'll never play football again. This high school. Yeah. And I played in the league. Yeah. And I, I told my mom, like, I don't want to go to him no more. He don't believe in what I was going to like. He doesn't believe in my vision. He doesn't right. believe in what I want to do. Like how many doctors at through your surgeries kind of discourage you from your goal? And what's the feeling that these medical professionals are telling you, you yeah, might not play basketball? I think what they don't understand is, you know, the mental strength of somebody like you or somebody like me. They don't take that into account. Man, going, going through high school, you know, when my, when my first kind of back started aching, I'm getting x-rays, MRIs. And then through college, I had so many doctors say like, nah, you, you, you're not going to be able to play again. Unless in high school, before my first surgery, it was if you don't do something about this issue that we found in your back, like you're not going to be able to play in the NBA. Once I got my surgeries, like to your point, around draft time, you know, the, the Clippers doctor, you know, he's he's telling teams to kind of stay away from me because I might I might not be able to play again. And this is, you know, a professional doctor. So that was happening all throughout this whole journey. I think now sitting here and understanding the um, – also, the emotional wellness part of it, when doctors say those things to, to people, it not only puts, you know, fear and doubt in your mind, but that can actually affect your body. Like all that mm -hmm. fear, all that trauma of doctors saying you're not going to be able to do something, that can further exacerbate the problem. I didn't know this until I started talking to, you know, some of these wellness doctors that, that talk about the emotional piece mm -hmm. and, you know, the repressed emotions. But when you got doctors telling you that type of stuff, it can be it can be tough to work through, but I just think they didn't take into account how much I love the game and how much I work I'm willing to put in to keep playing, you know what I mean? So you're hearing from everybody, all the professionals, you know, you, you, you're talking to yourself within, you know, that voice within, I can do this, can I still do this? All those different things, that's very frustrating. I, I read where it says your mother prayed for you, she prayed over you, yeah. another one of your trainers, what have you. We all have faith. Right, faith in God, faith in ourselves, but nothing's like a mom's faith. Mm -hmm. Like, what what did she say to you, or what message did she share with you that sort of triggered you to say, you know what, I ain't quitting. Like, my mom believes in me, 
I got to make sure I do right by her. Yeah, I think for me, man, just especially in that third surgery, I did, I didn't even need anybody to try to encourage me that I was going to make it through this. I just wanted people to try to understand how much pain I was in physically, but also emotionally, how, how down I felt. Because I've always been a dude, you know, as an athlete growing up, you, you, you receive love from the applause of people at times, you know, sometimes you can get your worth from that. So growing up, that's how it was. At that time, I think I just needed my mom to tell me, like, I don't know why you're going through this, but even if it doesn't work out, even if you're not able to play the game anymore, like, I'll still love you the same. It don't change nothing about how I feel for you. You don't got to, you don't have to uh, go earn your love out on the court from us. We love you the same. So I think having people in your life to where no matter what you're going through, they 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 got your back and they love you no matter what. I think that at that time, that's what I needed. But, you know, her praying over me and just encouraging me, that was everything. I mean, my family was there the whole time and that, that really was everything for sure. You're the best hooper in the house. Who the best hooper? Your oh, mom. You said your mom went for 45 a game no, in high switching, school now. We switching gears and she could relate to what I was going through because <laughs> she actually had a similar surgery. But mom, my mom was cold. Like she, she averaged like, I want to say like 50 points in high school. But they she played in Iowa average. 50 points she was a game? 6'4". So back then for a female, that's, <laughs> that's about 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, right. Wow. They played six on six back then. So it was like, I think like three, three players stayed on offense, three played in defense played on defense. Iowa was the last state to get rid of that. That's where she's from. So. Really? And then she went to Iowa, still holds scoring records up there. Um, she was playing professionally overseas when she started, you know, having kids. I think after she had, you know, her third kid, she decided to hang it up. But nah, she definitely was. Yeah. She was like that for sure. They call him Fragile Freddy. I know you hate that. Doesn't he? Look at He hates that. Fragile I don't. Freddy, why? Uh-huh. I don't Because he got hurt a lot. Okay, I, but I don't. So it was it. like it was a thing where he's very talented, like yourself. That's why I thought about it, just watching y'all talk. Where he was saying like, if he's on the court, he's on the you're on the court, he's on the field, he's gonna ball out. What does that do to you? Where like where teams question you because it's like, hey, nigga, we watch you. Like if you if you ball, you can ball. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But we have to always question if you're gonna be available to play. So to Fred and yourself, like, what does that do to you mentally? Where the sport thinks you're you're good, but you're not always available. Yeah, I think that can weigh on you. I mean, for me, somebody asked me, like, what is my goals for this season and anything like that? What I'm most proud about so far this season is I haven't missed a game. I'm the only player on our team that hasn't missed a single game. So coming from three back surgeries, to me, that means more than, a, than an all-star game or this or that. To, to be available and not miss a game, considering what I've been through, I think that's the that's a testament to like not only the work I put in to take care of my body and be available for the games, but um, also just how far I come. Like availability is, is the best skill you can have. So yep. when you hear that, that could be that could be tough when you know people be calling me all type of names um, about not being available or getting hurt. Um, I'm just trying to beat those kind of allegations just by, by staying healthy. You know what I mean? Staying yeah. on the floor. I, I, one of the names is no swing. No swing, yeah. They say I don't swing the rock. Goddamn <laughs> black hole, nigga. <laughs> you about to shoot. He <laughs> said it's a black hole. It's crazy because last night there actually was a play. Um, I think they, they posted it. It was like a, a full court pass. It was a loose ball. I got it. I went to the corner. And Tobias Harris was kind of playing the cat and mouse game. Like, is he going to come out and contest or is he going to stay back by the rim? And I seen Joker and Aaron kind of running back, but I'm already mid-shot. I could have, like, dumped it right <laughs> down to him. 
I'm like, bro, I'm in the corner wide open. I'm letting this fly. I missed it, though. <laughs> but nah, bro, to your point, I mean, now nah, when I catch the rock, like, I just feel like it's a good shot because I'm 6'10". I, I, I jump yeah. on my jumper, so it feels like a good shot to me. Some, I mean, people going to have something to say. But that's my job on the team, you know what I mean? I don't yeah. got the rock. I'm not the point guard to facilitate. I'm When I catch it, it's probably going up. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> I, uh, you know, you mentioned the blessing in falling to 14, mm-hmm. you know, because you are surrounded by, you know, all-stars and future Hall of Famers in, in Denver. But you were also a projected number one overall pick mm-hmm. in high school, uh, number one player in the country. I have two questions about that night. The first question is a wardrobe question, right? Like, I like suits. Do you ever look back at those pictures and think about that vest and that tie and say to yourself, maybe I shouldn't have worn it? Talking about draft night? Yeah. No, I was smooth. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you were not. I wasn't smooth that night. (laughs) Y'all got to talk to my stylist then, because I think I got... (laughs) I thought I was... The little little baby blue suit? (laughs) But the big bitch Carter pants? Who? No, he had a... Oh, that wasn't me. That wasn't him. He was cool. He had the, he had the best joint. Cool. He had the best, but he had the. It was. It was. It wasn't sweet. <laughs> it wasn't. I think you might got the wrong person. Now, I, I, I know. I listen. I look it up. What my but iPhone? My, my, yeah, my real. My real question is though, you know, we all like our goals are normally set by our, our expectations. Yeah. And if our expectations are based in reality, then a lot of times those things we feel like we've earned or we deserve. Um, you know, we've mentioned what the back surgeries and those sort of evals did to your draft stock. What was it sitting there that night? And, you know, we've seen now that, you know, there were big time players in that draft, obviously, you know, all stars as well. But falling to 14 when you had such, you know, I guess, high hopes and expectations two years earlier. Yeah, man, like in high school, I just remember like getting ranked for the first time. He looking at my suit right now. <laughs> Hey, talk to the championship side, dog. Talk to the championship side. (laughs) I remember getting ranked for the first time, though. Like, I think it was sophomore, freshman or sophomore year, I was 25th in the country. Kept working, kept working, got better, better. Eventually, I'm the number one player in the country. And I felt like I was much better than everyone in my class. And so I kind of always envisioned, you know, going to college, killing it for one year, being the number one draft pick. I had people telling me in high school, like, if you could still go from high school to the league, you might you might be able to go number one in the class above you. You know, the wow. class with uh, some of those players, you know, above me, Lonzo, Markel, mm-hmm. Jason, they were telling me, like, I could have gone in that class. So I had high expectations for myself. Um, and then, you know, the injury kind of happened. And so I had my first injury in college. Um, but by the time the draft came around, I, I knew I needed a second surgery, but I hadn't got it yet because I was trying to tough it out. You know, I didn't want teams to know I needed a second surgery. So sitting there watching the draft happen, I'm in I'm in a lot of pain. Um, but man, seeing the names go by, dudes, I know I'm better than dudes. I've been killing at all these different camps, all these different events, all of high school, and I'm seeing each of them go above me. Like that's hurting me to my core because I did not envision draft night to be like this. I envisioned going number one, great night, celebrating my family. And I'm just slipping, slipping, slipping. Um, and I understood it because I didn't even know if I was right. I didn't even know at the time if I'd be able to hoop again because um, I was in so much pain. But got drafted by the Nuggets. And like I said, like God works in weird ways because looking back, I could see the blessing. But right then, 
I was just hot. Like, even after I got drafted, you know, you put on a smile for the cameras, but deep down, I'm I'm hot. Like, the Denver Nuggets was the last team I ever would have thought I would have gone to. You know what I mean? Right. I probably hadn't watched a, a Denver game since, like, AI. Right. You know, so... Uh, it was a tough night, but looking back, I guess you could see some of the some of the good that came out of it. <laughs> Look at dude. Let me see. Bro, that was sweet. That's fresh to Bro, me. Bro, with the low with the low vest. <laughs> that was smooth back that, then, though. The, the back then. I got like, you just look, bro. I, I can pull them up now, nigga. Six I got years ago, that was smooth. With the dark blue low cut. Man, I don't know. I gotta get a better look. Y'all must be right. Y'all must be right. Hey, you know, when I saw it, I was like, ooh, but you're right. We had that's revisionist history at that time. It probably was smooth. You know, and being one, like he was ninth pick overall mm-hmm. in the draft. Uh, you know, number one running back in the country. Back but like when they used to rank him in like chickens when he came out. Like in the sixties <laughs> when it was him, you know. Uh, Walter Payton, some of those guys who were his peers. That joke is Larry Zonka. That joke's old. Hey, bro. but get over for, it. for you though, like that wasn't kind of like your first time having to make a switch. You know, your pops was working at Washington. You'd committed to Washington. You getting shots up, and the staff comes down in tears because they've been fired. As a as a teenager, kind of sort of having your plan. I'm sure your plan was, I'm gonna go play for. Uh, Coach Lorenzo Romar at UW. I'm gonna play one year. I'm one and done. I'm the first overall pick. Yeah, that was the goal. Right. And yeah. I just seen Markel Fultz do it too the year before. Right. So you just sitting there getting up shots, and now that coaching staff comes down and says that they're fired. What was that moment like for you? Yeah, um, I remember that vividly because I was super excited. You know, my brother, who's a year younger than me, he classed up to play with me at at, at the University of Washington. Um, Lorenzo's my godfather. Um, Coach Romar. So we had a wrong. I think we had the number one recruiting class. Um, but Coach Romar wasn't able to win with, you know, Markel and some of the Matisse Thibel, a couple other guys the year before. So, um, yeah, they came down. I'm just getting shots up. And it's my dad's first year coaching there. So we had just moved from Missouri, where I grew up, to Seattle. You know, my dad's coaching under Lorenzo. We thinking we're going to go there. And they come down and yeah, they say uh, the whole staff was fired. Yeah, it was wild. Like, um, yeah, they just because we see, saw the vision, like we knew we were gonna be nice in the, the the following year. Markel was talking about maybe staying. He probably wouldn't have, mm-hmm. but uh, still would have had Matisse Thybul, would have had me, my brother, um, Jalen Noel, who who's an NBA player. Mm-hmm. So we were we were gonna be really good. Um, and yeah, they came down there and said that. So what ended up happening was my dad ended up getting the job in Missouri. And I end up just going to play over there with, with him. But yeah, Washington would have been live. Like your sisters were already there though, at, at Missouri, Miss, right? At Missouri, yeah. So so what's, y'all kind of had to be like the first family of Missouri by that point. Yeah, we. You know what I mean? Because we had both of my sisters were were at school already, and then you know once we had to decommit from Washington, we decided to go to Missouri and go back home. And that was that was dope in and of itself. But yeah, it was four of us in college hooping at one time. I don't know. I don't know if that's happened before. Hell four no. siblings playing at one time. That's Even awesome. thinking about that, though, bro, like you're talking about Washington would have been sweet. Wherever you were was going to be sweet. Yeah, they sold out. See, like as soon as I committed, like sold out tickets, season tickets like that. Like it was crazy. That, that's what it is. Like you, the, the, even nowadays where kids go and they jump around schools, like 
Yeah. Players make the team. So your no, sisters fact. and yourself, they made you made Missouri. Like you would have made Washington, you would have made wherever the hell you were. You're 6'10, they can hit threes, bro. Right. <laughs> right. right. Even with that, you spoke about expectations, but what's the mindset like of being a number one ranked overall prospect coming out of high school? Like what pressures are associated with that? Bro, like before my injuries, basketball came so easy to me that it wasn't even no pressure. I just knew I was the coldest by far. Like, I can, I still shoot and I still can do some things on the court and I'm, I'm getting better and kind of getting back to myself a little bit. But back then, I, I had a strap. I was getting downhill, jumping from wherever and dunking it. So I was just having fun with the game. It was free and it was, like, joyful. Mm. Um, and it was easy for me. So, like, nowadays, it'd be, it's kind of hard sometimes. I reminisce on those days. Sometimes think, like, man, all my best days behind me. I know that's not true, but... Going from the number one player in the country where everything just came so easy to me mm-hmm. to having to work through these rehabs just to get back on track and, and, and try to be a good player in this league, um, it's hard because it just came so easy to me back then. When, when did you uh, max out at your height at 6'10"? I think my junior year of high school um, playing in Missouri, I, 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 uh, yeah, I was like 6'9 and a half. I think I grew like another half inch. And your freshman senior. year, where did you enter high school at? I think I ended high school around 6'5". Oh, still big. Nice. Six, five, he yeah, been yeah, tall. Yeah. It's his, still his, big. His people 6'4", piece. Right, right. Yeah, like, my mom's 6'4". That's probably where I get it from yeah. my mom. Yeah. Both yeah. My, six, uh, my sisters, 6'3", six, 6'2". Yeah, see, like, I don't know nothing about that. I'm, yeah, no, nah, it's crazy. I'm nah, scraping. If I'm fighting for 5'11". Bitty, baby. But a lot of times those guys, they, they, they get that big too fast and their feet don't follow. A lot of guys can be clumsy and big, but he's extremely athletic. Or like, you know? yeah, I had a, I had a, uh, a teammate in the fifth grade. He was a grown man. Like I, I'm, I was born in Indiana. I moved to Missouri in like sixth grade, but in fifth grade, this dude was a grown man, number one player in the country. He was a center on our team. He he played center, but he didn't grow. So then he went to power forward. Then he went to <laughs> small. He's a point guard now because he never grew. Like he was, you know, them dudes, them right. muscle dudes right. in like fifth grade. So I was kind of glad I was a late bloomer. I kept right. growing all the way through high school. You um, you mentioned going from Indy to Missouri. You were homeschooled. I always find homeschooling fascinating mm-hmm. because I always think about the things I learned, both good and bad, that you got to navigate being in school and having to be around those people. Uh, Was there any adjustment entering high school or did you always kind of have basketball and use that as an ability to socialize? Yeah, you know, people always talk about homeschoolers being a little weird or whatever. I think, you know, the social aspect is a part of that. For me, like, we got that through basketball. Mm -hmm. All our friends, you know, we hooped on different teams, travel teams, so we got to socialize. Another thing my parents did was, I think probably when I was in sixth or seventh grade, they, my dad's from Mississippi, so, you know, they call them snowballs down there, but snow cones, you know, they, they bought a snow cone stand and had us working it, you know, and meeting people and serving people. We were young, so we would make a little bit of money and we was serving people snow cones. So we got to socialize that way. But I finally went to school in eighth grade public school. And the first thing I noticed was I was way smarter than everyone. Like at homeschool, you only had to do school for two hours a day because you just, if you understood the topic or whatever, you could just knock it out. Um, so I, we were doing school two hours a day. We'd get in the gym the rest of the day. When I went to public school, I was sitting there eight hours, but I already was way ahead of all the other kids. But man, they were doing stuff and talking about stuff and and into stuff at, at eighth grade that I that I really wasn't even like aware that my kids my age was really on at that point. So that was an adjustment in terms of that. 
Um, but overall, I think it was a blessing um, being homeschooled. I know I'm a homeschool my kids one day, I think. You know, they're teaching kids wild stuff in school these days. So I'm definitely going to homeschool my kids. <laughs> did, did it hurt your game? Like, because well, you don't talk to no women. Yeah, like, you, you can't, oh, you can't, no, you can't learn no game if you ain't, ain't never had no, no issue in that department. <laughs> <laughs> But there's the awkwardness now. It got to be awkward. Like you, walk, no you, 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 you send it home, problem. your parents are teaching you, then you go back into the we world. Still, I still have some little shorties running around my neighborhood that I want to go talk to. You <laughs> but you were still shooting because yeah. we light-skinned. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Speaking of that, though, you um, in high school, you talked about being light-skinned. You're biracial. Yeah. And so is Chan um, as well. You but, mixed black and white? Yeah, my mom okay. white, daddy black. Yeah. Okay. And you mentioned about... in. I don't think people understand colorism as much. Like, you know, we talk a lot about racism, yeah. but within our own communities, like people don't really have to voice colorism because it's in our own community. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned about being light-skinned and having to fight the soft label because yeah. of that. Yeah. You know, how real of a thing this was this that? Y'all y'all, being jealous of us. They be jealous. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Come here, brother. Hey, you know you got in trouble. You know you got your ass in trouble. <laughs> What's that? Mike, Mike, I'll be, hey, listen. No, listen, let me slide say, back because y'all jealous. I'm going to say this. Y'all jealous. Wesley Snipes <laughs> is not here anymore. <laughs> they was riding on Wesley Snipes for years, yeah, wasn't they? they jealous, man. They Bro, love Wesley you Snipes. Had to run through, you had to run through eight light-skinned people to try to find one that actually had attractive physical traits today when Ooh. you were talking about light-skinned people in the car. Ooh. I was talking about yeah. like, light-skinned dudes or light-skinned people. He was talking about light-skinned dudes because he was trying to hey, say that you hey. and him some good-looking light-skinned dudes? You're a very good light-skinned dude. Who Appreciate represents you, us? Boy. Is it Drake? <laughs> Who represents us? Is it Obama? It can't be Drake no more. He got the, like, the little clips in his hair, paint his... I don't he like done, he done got He done got a little weird with the money. Is it Obama? Obama can still represent us, bro. I don't think he represents us either. What about Steph Curry? He's definitely a good representation. Steph got us? He, 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 he There's a few that carry us. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes? Nah, he don't carry this. Yeah, because yeah, his, his, his brother. His <laughs> bro, his brother weird. There's some weird shit going on there, ain't it? Like, hey, yeah. He's also not that handsome. Like, Ooh, Patrick Mahomes ain't handsome? Like, he go, got the weird dude, mohawk. Y'all right. didn't went to and this. Y'all didn't got on this just because it's light-skinned, it works thing. Like, y'all got to stop But Channing knows better. That's the shit that happened in the Jonathan Owens episode. So what's, what's the top five light-skins? <laughs> shit, I'm there. I'm, a, I'm up there, too. I, we both I think Steph. See, but that's the light this skin is issue. No, this is such a sus conversation. Hey, why did you pull out a? Hey, you, hey, hey, about hey, you dark motherfuckers, we talking right now. Okay, this is a crazy topic. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Channing. So who's the top? Who's the top five? Who, who got? Who got us light skin? Just carrying the, the light skin who's culture. Who's carrying us? Uh, I think the, the the dudes is carrying the light skin culture. I mean, you still got to put Drake in there. I think in the league is Steph, Jason, D Book, me. D book, um, but he got the high top though. On he got the he got the high top. Yeah. Uh, are y'all serious right now? Hey, it's a lot. You, hey, see they they just they not even. They, they don't even. They don't even last week, but what was your question? You were last saying, week we posted Des Bryant crying, uh -huh. reading something that he has to use daily to raise his children, and y'all two are ranking top five light skins. Hey, he started he start the conversation. taking over the world. <laughs> but I, I was asking. How do, you, how do you fight the stigma? Yeah, because th th there, yeah. there is a stereotype of that. And it's not, it's not everybody. It's us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you made the joke about 
us being jealous, me yeah. darker people, but d there is that stereotype within whether it's quote unquote, which is obviously not true, the good hair, the light skin, those yeah. sorts of things. I don't know. I think uh, it comes from the fact that we know we're handsome. So people catch us looking in the mirror a little bit longer. They might catch us taking a little bit more pictures. So that ah, oh, he kind of he kind of a little soft. But it's just really that we look good. You know what I mean? That's really what it is for real. Mike, do you do you like hold your mouth halfway open for your pictures and stuff? No, nah, not you me. Know, you, you don't do that? No, nah, I just smile. Oh, okay. Yeah. We, we ain't got to do all that. <laughs> no, nah, we ain't got to do all that. When you, when you think about, like, but honestly, in that, it leads me to this. Um, you are a Christian. Yeah. Right? Um, and you're a devout Christian. You're a Christian that lives out loud, which is what the Bible tells us to do. Mm -hmm. Right? The Bible tells us to go forth and make disciples. Mm -hmm. You can't do that unless you are honest about your faith. And you've used that in all sorts of ways and understanding that God came for all people. Mm -hmm. God ate with the tax collectors and the sinners. You in 2020, during the George Floyd, you know, you caught flack for saying that we should also pray for the police officers involved. Mm -hmm. When you are living out loud with your faith and working to bring people together in the way that you are, how difficult is it to deal with a situation like that because many people in society don't understand that perspective. Yeah. The perspective of it's not about what you do, it's about who you are in God's eyes. Was that tough for you during that time? Yeah, it's a, it's a balance because you don't ever want to come off, you know, when you're a Christian, you still want to come. I've always tried to be authentic, but at the same time, if you really are living a, an authentic Christian life, like, you're going to hurt some people's feelings or it's it's going to be super countercultural some ways like Jesus came here he didn't come here to be liked he didn't come here for none of that like he came here to speak the truth so for me in that situation as sensitive of a topic as it was um you know I voiced my opinion and that and that whole those those tweets got taken super out of context cuz I the first two tweets was like man this is this is straight up like murder like this bring tears to my eyes then I, ha then I had to think about it because I was so mad. Like, you know, sometimes you'd be so mad you don't want nothing to do with white people sometimes. Like, mm -hmm. like you go to the barbershop and, man, a lot of these dudes, they don't even, like, want white people around. Like, they have a lot of hatred towards towards white people. So I was, when I seen the police officer doing that to, to George Floyd, those were my first thoughts, was, like, those thoughts. Then I was like, man. So my third tweet was, pray for the police officers that, God would change their heart because people just hate hating white. That's not going to change nothing. The same cycle is going to keep happening. So that was that was my point. It wasn't like, oh, they get off easy. Pray for these cops that God forgives them. No, it wasn't none of that. It was like pray that God only God could change the hate and that and that white person's heart to do that to a black person. Like he would have never did that to another white person. You know what I mean? So that was more the message I was trying to get across. But at the end of the day, like when you're trying to speak God's truth or whatever, no matter what you say, man, like it could be surrounding any topic that's going on these days that they're trying to push. It's going to sound countercultural. So you got to get over the trying to keep a perfect image or not being canceled. I got over that a while ago. You know what I mean? You can't be an outspoken person for your faith or your beliefs if you're worried about uh, making everybody happy. It's not you, um You have strong ties to uh, women hoops. We mentioned it earlier. Yeah. Um, you just recently re-signed or signed a new deal with Puma, right? I saw you rocking the Stewie 2's, Breonna Stewart, yeah. her kicks. 
Um, have you been outspoken about the uh, pay, the wages in the WNBA and for those ladies? Yeah, they did an interview with me. Um, I mean, I see it from both sides. I know these females want to get paid more. Um, and they're very talented, but so is so is a famous ping pong player. They're just as talented as, as a like the best ping pong player is just as talented as the best basketball player. That doesn't mean they're going to get paid the same because it's because right. they it's play what, ping pong. It's what the people want to watch. You know what I mean? So, right. as much as I understand females wanting the same treatment as as men basketball players, it's 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 a different sport. People they're not packing out the arenas. Obviously, their TV deals aren't the same. So as much as I advocate for women and kind of the equality of the respect of their craft and all those things. I mean, you can't pay them the same thing, you know, but I do feel like they should, there, there should be a little way to make a little bit more money for right. them because they are very talented. Right. Yeah, I think, the, I think the big thing, um, obviously, when you're thinking about negotiations, labor unions, and different things like that, I don't believe there's any woman that believes she should be paid as a man gets paid. It's more about the revenue share. It's more about the percentage. And I think those things play into mm. it. And then the other side of it is treatment, mm. you know, within their own organizations. Like they're never like they don't. Well, it's not make, as exciting. They, no, it's it's not as it's exciting. It's not as exciting basketball. Yeah, you're not. They got a load of rims. I would watch a girl coming down the lane. <sighs> on another, like, I would watch that. They need to load. They're the actually as a as a whole, women. Women work the fundamentals more than most men do because y'all can do that. Yeah. Like, that's and, that's, and that's why the... They play good basketball. Right, and that's why, like, the guys who are extremely skilled excel because it's like, okay, you have all of this talent as well, but you can finish at the rim in different ways. You can handle the rock in different ways. You have floor vision. But women, like, that's the way they get on the court. And so I think those things are different. But I agree with you. They're not going to be paid the same, but it's it was more about the treatment percentage and having an opportunity for revenue. I was actually going to say about the um, the the 65 game rule. That's what I was going to get to. Mm -hmm. I would say you or how do the players think about that with you can't be an what is it all NBA if you don't play 65 you got to play 65 games and now them silver came into it and I know your injury history and that's what I wanted to get to with that. How, how, how does how, how does NBA players feel about that? the low management thing where you're not a low management guy, but you have had injuries and just that whole thing where now the NBA is saying that you can't win this many awards or you can't be blessed with this much stuff if you don't play 65 games or more. Honestly, I'm not too opposed to it. I think it's it's because it was getting to a point where dudes was just resting. So I'm not mad about it. I think, dude, like at the end of the day, it's our job. So we play we get paid very well to be available. You know, if you have an injury, that's one thing, okay? So sit out those couple months and then um and then you I don't think you should be recognized for those awards because you didn't play the whole season like some other guys did. Like I said, availability is one of the biggest skills you can have. So that should be recognized more in some of these awards. So I never really even understood the whole rule cuz my goal is just to play every game. So um I know for some guys they weren't feeling it, but I didn't really get too too much into it, to be honest. You know, and talking about playing every game, seasons can get long. Your season last year was as long as it could possibly be. Maybe if their Miami Heat could have 
push it two this more games. You was you was you won the Heat to win. Did you? Hit, I'm in Miami, bro. Did but, you hear what he said about the Miami Heat? I listened, bro. Yeah, I he was like, once we got, we knew we was going to win the series because we didn't know how they beat Boston. <laughs> you ain't hear what he said? Bro, I watched, what is it, with, with Trey? What's it called? On the ball. Uh, oh, on, on the, the point. point. On, on the point. point. He was yeah. like, yeah, once we got to the heat, we knew we was going to ride. I'm like, damn. Like, I was, I, I, bro, I set that game five. I paid yeah. $7,000, a ticket for me and my wife to be on row five. Game five in Denver? No. Who's that? No, no, game uh, four. Okay. And my and I just sat and watched y'all run up and down, and that big old white boy just <laughs> throw that little ugly ass. That little ugly that's that's kind of why we knew because in in the NBA in general, but especially in the playoffs, it's about matchups, and we yeah, just felt like we matchup. uh we matched up really good with Miami. The last few years, they had had a hard time with us because they play Bam at the center, but he's kind of an undersized center, mm. and you got to uh you got to be pretty like heavy. And pretty like just big in general to do anything with Joker in the post. So we knew they were gonna have to bring a double, and then you know that's when everybody starts. Eating. Ag gets the lobs. I'm getting the backside threes. Um, we didn't we didn't think uh, they matched up with us very well. But so, can I, can I get your number? So if you're gonna just hit backside threes and Ag get the lobs, I won't spend seven thousand dollars a ticket next year. <laughs> it was still good games though. It was, it was competitive. You mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, Nicola. Like just one of the most skilled players we've ever seen at that position. Yeah. With all the things that he could do, you know, if he didn't care so much about just going by horses and stuff, he'd probably just average a triple double. Like he's yeah. a great team player, extremely skilled. Uh, we got a chance to see you guys play against Joel and B uh, this week as well. When you look at those two players, and to me being the best two in the league, how do you think they compare? You know, I'm sure you yeah. feel your guy is the best one, but yeah. what Joel can do at that size too is amazing. Yeah, no, nah, I mean it's it's definitely um, the best two centers of our generation going head to head, but really top four or five centers ever. Honestly, I think the only thing that separates them right now is Nikola's won a championship. They have completely different styles of 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 playing, though. You know, Joker is very um, pass first, more of a facilitator. Joel will go out there and give you 40 every single night. And he's just, I don't realize how good of a, you know, mid-range shooter he is. At that size, 7'2 or 7'3, like, get in the mid-range, has he pulls, and his jumper's, like, so, like, soft, you know, soft touch. So, offensively, he's just a dominant force. Um, but, you know, I'm a ride with Nikola, you know. Uh, you know, we won a championship last year. He can, he can have some nights where he gives you 50, another night where he gives you 20 assists. Other night, 20 rebounds, so he can do everything. Um, Joel definitely takes that matchup personally, though, yeah. for sure. And you said Joker can do everything. Yeah. Is there anything that he does that just surprises you? See, for me, just watching the game as a, um, you know, just sitting at home yeah. watching it, I'm like, how does this guy, how's he so good? He looks so, he looks lazy. Yeah. He looks you know like he's he wobbling, wobbling around. He, yeah, like how, does anything ever surprise you with him? Um, I mean, it does, but when you see, like, uh, when you see it so much, I guess you kind of get used to it. I don't know if it's, a, like, an overseas type of thing. They, um, they play a little bit different. Like, mm -hmm. Luca is, Luca sometimes looks like that. Like, he's just kind of going slow, then boom, hits you with a step back, catch. Like, they're just nice over there. I think they just, uh, the development over there is a little different, you know, over here. We got all these mixtapes and cameras, so guys is 
trying to do all the dunks and get real athletic and fancy over there sometimes they rely just more on touch fundamentals fundamentals passing playing the, the game a different way so when they come over here it just looks so different well fellas it's that time man it's time for the big game oh sb58 our partners at DraftKings want to give you an even bigger opportunity any new customer using the promo code defense you place a five dollar bet on anything yeah that's right anything you instantly get $200 in bonus bets. Hit them with the same game parlay on the biggest game, the over, the under, the side, whatever you want to do, and even bigger payouts, baby. I like the coin toss. Can I say the coin toss? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pick what the coin toss does. No, all you got to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, get into the game, and the big game still has big, big, big daily fantasy. Go make it happen. Hey, he said get into the game. Neither of them ever got there, but I did twice. So if you use the promo code DEFENSE, place a $5 bet on anything, that's instantly $200 in bonus bets. Meet me where only I've been. You gonna do that right now? That wasn't uh, in the That was, that in was the not what we were supposed to talk about. Oh, you mentioned, you know, Nicola, he's the MVP. Uh, he was the finals MVP as well, but you work your way all the way back. You are a max contract player and you get in the finals and your shot isn't falling. Mm -hmm. I can't shoot, no way. But for somebody who, like you said, though, like there's a lot about basketball that came naturally. Yeah. And even through your rehabs and your surgeries, the jumper was always nice. Yeah. And you're on the biggest stage and, you know, you're in a champ, you played in a professional championship. I played in the Super Bowl, uh -huh. so we can talk about things like this. Some people have never gotten there, so they don't really. Yeah, y'all wouldn't, wouldn't understand those pressures. They don't understand the pressure like of, of those type, type of situations. Red. Red. I'm leaving. Yellow. <laughs> <laughs> but when, but honestly, though, when you're, when you're in the biggest series of your life, something you've worked back from three surgeries to get to, yeah. and the thing you do well isn't working, What's that feeling for you? All you want to do is win. So if my jumper wasn't fine, I was still trying to get 10 rebounds. I was still trying to play defense. Mm. Um, nobody, nobody cares about the percentage at that point. Right. Like, of course, you, you like, I wish my uh, jumper was just cash all series. I've been hitting throughout the whole playoffs. Um, and the finals, my, my jumper struggled a little bit. But I was trying to do other things to help our team win. Because at that point, all you want is a ring. Right. So you don't care about stats. You don't care about percentage. Um, so I wasn't really tripping too much, especially because if I felt like I was the reason that we were like maybe losing some games or we end up losing the finals and I was like, man, I could have produced more offensively. I was, you know, struggling on a series. It would have been one thing, but I was still impacting the game. We ended up winning. So yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't tripping too much. Why y'all stunt so hard at the parade, man? Like after the Dudes game, bro, loose, huh? bro, coach loose. Y'all they... going hard at LeBron. They said it was like two million people downtown. It was it was crazy down there, but I don't know, man. And that's not that that ain't never been like us as a team in Denver. We've always been under the radar. Dudes not really too outspoken. Dudes don't really be on social media too much. I think dudes was just loose. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, it was crazy. I don't know. It was it was crazy. We definitely was teed up at the parade, man. That whole that whole celebration. I don't know what y'all did. We uh. The celebration was weird though because after you win, you got the celebration in the locker room. Right. We was in there for hours. Then we go to Aaron Gordon's. He bought like a warehouse that he turned into like a lounge slash club. So we was there. But then the next two days we didn't have anything. So we're just at the crib like like 
can't believe we won a championship, but we don't have anything as a team because the parade was like a couple days later. So we're just, it was weird timing. Then after the parade, we went to Vegas, turned up in Vegas for one night. Everybody missed the flight back home. <laughs> it was just a whole, it was a whole week of just, it was hectic, but it was fun though. That's awesome, man. I want to talk more about this partying too, but they're going to they gonna cut me off because I didn't know what y'all did in Vegas and while y'all was sitting yeah. around like, yeah, I, Denver. Right. I can give you space in Denver. You know, I can give you some spots. You but, got some spots out there? Yes, yeah, spots out there. Yeah, there's a few for sure. I won't say, I didn't know if you wanted to say the name, but no, bro, <laughs> I want to ask you something that Ryan said about like uh, your size. Bro, you big as fuck. Yeah, pause. Big one, pause. Yeah, hey. You think I'm talking about this man Swipe? This yo, nigga is fine. Yo. You sick? What are you, 16? But what's up? Yeah, 16. You don't never get down low. <laughs> you don't never fight. You mean like, uh, like, uh, like in the paint? Y'all niggas. <laughs> y'all motherfuckers is nasty. <laughs> what are y'all talking about? You I was like, thinking of basketball. You mean like I don't post up like yeah, that? But you don't. Yeah, you're so big. Like you gotta. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll go get. I'll go get ten rebounds in a game. And easy. you can get the rebounds, but like, do you offensively? You mean like post up like just yeah, somebody. just sit um, almost seven feet. You don't never go like to go and wrestle with and be down there. You don't, you don't want to go down there and wrestle. Well, honestly, like so, like I said, I've kind of had to modify kind of how I play through the surgeries. Um, like, and then we have specific roles. In the NBA, you got, you know, the point guard, the shooting guard. As a three, I'm always on the, uh, in the corners, usually. So, I'm the one catching, shooting. AG's kind of in the dunker spot. And then Joker's, you know, in the post, whatever. So, yeah. for spacing purposes, like, you never really catch me posting up. I'm more out there for spacing because I know my guy's not really going to leave me. He don't want me to get shots off. So, that opens the court up for everybody else. Um but like in transition, there are some times where I'll, where I'll uh, catch a post ISO. But for the most part, I'm spaced out, ready to catch and shoot, ready to catch and drive. Aaron's kind of in the dunker so that when his guy rotates um, to Joker, he's getting lobbed. Mm -hmm. So it's just it's just the spacing of our team and how we we found it to to work best. But you know, and pickup games in the summer when you can work on your game and that that all changes. Like in a pickup game, I'm I'm posting dudes up, getting to the the rim, all that. But like, but like, even like you said, like God works in mysterious ways. Like for you to go to Denver and to be in the place you are, where you might be on another team where they would make you go down there. Yeah. Like, is that is it, are you in the perfect position to yeah, thrive? Yeah, I, I think I could go somewhere else and definitely do a little bit. Uh, I can modify my game. I modify my game greatly to be in Denver, because um, that's what fits for our team. Aaron Gordon, when he was in Orlando. Man, he had the ball in his hands a mm -hmm. lot, hitting step-back jumpers, middies. On my podcast, he talks about, like, everything he did was just a, a tough move, tough bucket. With us, he's just catching lobs, doing a lot of the dirty work, facilitating. So it's really about finding dudes that are willing to sacrifice some of what they know they can do to, like, fit the team. And that's kind of what we... We got, like, a lot of dudes who are nice. You know what I mean? So yeah. we kind of got to modify how we play a little bit. Speaking of being nice, you know, Keep going back to where athletically, especially young, you felt like you could have ended up in the draft, right? But you get to the league, you are on this great team, this team with other players, you play your role. Is there ever any thought given? Because it's not, like, I get it, man. Like, athletics, like, everybody looks at our bank accounts, mm -hmm. right? 
And if you ever had a complaint, they would say, well, you make, you're going to get over $200 million. Yeah. But they don't understand that's not what it's about, right? It's about doing our best to reach our full potential. Right. Is there ever any part of you that thinks to yourself, man, if I was in this place or if I played here, I'd have the, I've had the basketball in my hand more. I have an opportunity for more shots, have an opportunity to maybe be exactly what I thought I'd be before being drafted. Because you mentioned the sacrifice it does take yeah. to be on the Nuggets. When you win a championship, that's another thing that negates all that. I could go to another team and probably average 25, maybe. Um, on this team, I'm averaging, what, like 17. Mm. But we won a championship. And in today's NBA, you got to have a team of about three or four dudes who could be all-stars to to win a championship. If you look at the Suns, they got three dudes who who could be all-stars. KD, Book, um, Bradley Beal. Yeah. The Bucks, they got Giannis, Dame, Chris Middleton. You know, you got uh, the same thing with... Uh, um, the 76ers with Tobias Harris, he got to sacrifice yeah. some of that team. Joel, Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese so in today's NBA, you got to have like a lot of dudes who are nice. So to your point, I mean, sometimes I think maybe later in my career after I've, you know, won some, maybe there will be an opportunity for me to go blossom and do more things. But I'm content right now. We won a championship. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not tripping at all. You have used your voice for various things. You have your own show. Yeah. Right, where you get an opportunity to speak your narrative, speak from your perspective, not necessarily have people paint things for you. What was sort of the catalyst of you starting Curious Mike? Yeah, we talked earlier about, um, you know, the George Floyd situation and how some tweets got misinterpreted. Um, there's been a couple other situations, you know, when COVID hit and I'm in the bubble, I think I had like either put out on like Instagram or Snapchat my thoughts about COVID, you know, I've always been a dude, like I said, I never cared about being canceled or what the public thinks. So I put out my real thoughts about COVID. I was like, yo, I th- I know COVID's real. I had it, but it's definitely being used for some other things, you know what I mean? And so I never got the vaccine, you know, I was kind of outspoken about that. Um, but it was just the way people take little, little things you say and just run with it. I didn't like that. So I was just like, I'm not messing with Twitter no more. I'm not finna put out no little like things that could be taken a certain way. I'ma just why not just have my own podcast and you know ask people questions. I've always been curious. I think that might come from being homeschooled, but I've always been like a free thinker. Didn't didn't conform to what the culture wanted you to think or the social norms. So I think for me, Curious Mike was just an outlet to have people on there that I found interesting and ask them questions and have a like unfiltered conversation about things that, you know, some people may be scared to talk about or whatever and just talk about it and be open. I feel like on social media nowadays, if your opinion goes against what the normal opinion is, you get crucified for it. So for me, it was just trying to create like a a safe place, just like y'all do, um, just to talk for real. What's your opinion on, you just mentioned the bubble. What's your opinion on the Lakers championship of the bubble? Like, is it is it stamped, you mean? Yeah, should an asterisk be beside it? Nah, because of... I think every team still had to be in a bubble. It wasn't like they got an unfair advantage. Um, we all were there. We all was going through it. Um, and they lasted the longest. So if anything, credit to them, you know? It was tough being in the bubble. Um, it wasn't as bad as people make it sound, but I think that the worst part was you couldn't have no females up there. That's why dudes was getting <laughs> wait, in trouble. Wait, 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 wait
<laughs> but no, this, there's no, there's no asterisk. I don't and think. this is this is something that we can leave them out of because beautiful, handsome, rich, light skinned fellas like myself and like yourself. Yeah, what's up? Um, is it hard, bro? Like you, you. I don't know if you have a lady, but like just traveling and doing, like being what you are as NBA star. You can't sneak around nowhere. You six ten. Like you're not sneaking nowhere. Is it hard in, in what way? Is, is it just hard that like your, your love life and all? Like can you can you do it? I've been married fifteen years now because I find you know I found mine. So you married. So did you know from like back in the day, or you met her like once you already were? I met her while I was playing at a charity event. Okay, that's a good place to meet a girl. That's a great place to meet a girl. So, yeah. But I was in the club too, and I wasn't married none of them motherfuckers. Right. But like, is it hard? Is it hard, bro? Because you like honestly, I'm, I know we're joking, but bro, you a good looking dude, and everybody know you big, you famous, you rich, shit. I think um, it's definitely hard. I think it depends what you want because like some dudes, they want all the all the girls. They want to hit hit some in every city. You know, they're trying to get all the a different girl in every city. So. In that aspect, if the, I was trying to live that way, it wouldn't be hard. But I grew up in a household where I seen my dad be faithful to my mom. They had eight eight of us, you know, um, God-fearing households. So I believe in in marriage. Like, I know that's a concept nowadays where dudes are just like, nah, I don't really know if I want to lock it down with a... But that's what I saw growing up. So I believe in that. So in that, in that aspect, I think finding the right girl now is hard. Like, if I had met her in high school, it would have been cool. Like... A lot of these dudes marry their high school sweetheart, you know, Steph Curry, Giannis, LeBron. Um, but nowadays, the way these females be acting, bro, I would say that's the hardest part is to to meet a girl now nowadays and like trust her with with that and give her that lifestyle. You know what I mean? Yeah. How does your how does your faith play into that? Because in truth, like Christianity and faith is you talk about the norm, it's becoming abnormal, especially yeah. for people to be outspoken about it, for people to truly walk the life. Yeah. And so where it's not even just, I'm looking for a particular thing in a helpmate and a partner for the rest of my life, it's that my lifestyle is different. Is there ever, or how difficult is it sometimes to find someone who matches that with you? Yeah, it is. It's tough, like I said, because it's so anti-cultural nowadays. But man, it's even worse with these females, bro. These, <laughs> these, these, <laughs> these girls out here is crazy these days. So, to, and they put on a front. Like my dad has told me a story. He was engaged before my mom, but you know the girl was put on a front. Like she really was into her faith or whatever. Man, he 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 kind of saw some signs, whatever. Broke it off with her. Next thing you know, his tires are slashed, his clothes is took out the curb. So these girls know how to put on a the front. They're getting slicker and slicker. I used to think dudes was worse than females. I don't really know anymore. <laughs> I don't know. So they I just think smarter. it is. They they I think it's it is hard. Um, but it's gonna happen one day. I'll probably meet her overseas or something. Was your or... was your was your pops in New Orleans at this time? He was in New Orleans. My man. Uh, so, I'm, so I'm from New Orleans. Creole with a Creole. So I Creole. already know. So he was in New Orleans, but it's crazy. They met through basketball, but like my dad, cause he, he was born in Mississippi, went to college in New Orleans, bringing my mom over to that area. You know, he would, he wouldn't, he wouldn't hold her hand walking through there. Cause it was still some, you know, some, some racism and stuff going on down there. So, and then my mom's from Iowa. That's like the whitest place ever. You know what I mean? So she really, it was, it's crazy how they met. Um, and I know they told me stories about, you know, when my mom would bring my dad to 
where she's from and vice versa. But uh, yeah, at that time, that's how it happened. Yeah. I want to ask you about the end season tournament. Okay. Because the Lakers haven't been the same since they won it. Yeah. How has that um, changed the dynamic, like the competition level at the early point of the, of the season? Because yeah. watching the NBA, you know, I, I've been watching it for, for a while. It seems like guys don't really start to turn it up until after the All-Star break and then also again in the playoffs. How has that changed the competition level? I think it's definitely been a good thing. It was it was fun for us. Like, we really wanted to get to Vegas. We really wanted to win that. Uh, it don't matter how much bread you got. 500 bands are smooth. Right. You can yeah. do a lot with that. Super. So, yeah. so, for everybody, like, we were trying to we was trying to get there, um, especially for the young dudes on our team. They were they really could have could have used that um, as well. So it definitely increased the competition. And I think um, it'll be a good thing going forward. But everybody still at the end of the day cares about the finals, the the the, the real playoffs. But I think that that in season tournament really uh, can put some 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 uh, competitiveness into those those earlier games for Was sure. It, could you actually see the difference in how guys would attack those? those yeah, nah, you, can, you can see it. I think at the end of the day, like people have this this thought that dudes don't try hard sometimes during the regular season or in the early part of the season. But that's not true because dudes are still playing for contracts, playing time, all-star appearances, all these things. So when people act like NBA players don't play hard, that's not true. Dudes right. is playing hard every right. every game. You're just playing against the best, best athletes. So sometimes it might look a little easier. The only reason the playoffs looks different than the regular season is because you play the same team and you start to know all their plays. So teams aren't getting the same shots that they do in the regular season. But dudes is playing hard every game. It gets faster and yeah, faster. How, how much uh, does fatigue play into that as well, though? In the playoffs? No, just during the season. I, you know, during the season, the fatigue of, of the travel, of being in different places, yeah. the back-to-backs, yeah. all of those things. Because just to, our season is simple, right? You, when we played, it was 17 weeks. It's 18 weeks now. You play once a week. You gear up the entire week for three hours. Right, and you understand that those three hours, that's all I have. It's a different mindset walking into Completely the stadium. Completely different. And I didn't so, realize that at first. Yeah. I, I became real cool with Russ over this past year in Denver. And he kind of was walking me through the whole difference between, you know, their schedule and our schedule. He would talk about they would go have meetings every day, mm-hmm. you know, and just the process of you get to do rehab all these days leading up to Sunday or whatever when y'all play. But then you get, it's one game a week. So if you lose, you got to sit on that. You got to sit on that for a week. That's tough. Like, I, I, I would hate that. You know, you got to sit on a bad game or an L for a week. Um, for us, you play, you play again, not in two days or a day. So yeah. it's a different mindset, but the fatigue is a little probably different. I mean, football is obviously more physical than basketball, but as far as having to get up and play a, play a game against the best athletes in the world every other day, can be tiring for it's sure. It's crazy. Y'all share a best friend. Uh, we don't share a best friend. Oh, you don't like Russ? Russ. <laughs> he likes Russ. I don't dislike Russ. I just think he's lame. You just think he's like a little corny or he's something? He's corny. Like, he's just not like, I'm from the inner city of Atlanta. I see him talk. I hear him talk. And I'm like, that's not the guy I want to hang with. I wouldn't, <laughs> I don't want to have a dinner with him. And he's about to leave Denver, so y'all probably won't be having too many more dinners together. Because how you think they? Sean Payton. Sean Payton just said, "I don't need Russ here." Yeah. Why? Why you? Uh, why you think that went down? That whole situation was weird to me. As far it as is. like them benching him and getting him out of there. But he was there before Sean. Okay. So Denver so, brought him in, 
And I don't know, I don't know how he feels about it. I asked you how you think about the situation, but I think he was there before Sean, and then Sean came in. And he wanted somebody else. Yeah, and Sean wants somebody Sean, else. But. Sean Payton is a turd. And that's okay, right? Like, he's from the old school of coaching, the Bill Parcells school of coaching. If you listen, if you see a man coming to the first press conference and he's asked about a quarterback he's never worked with and he immediately says what he's not going to allow that guy to do, then he's already had a plan in his head of how I'm going to treat him. Yeah. Right? The thing that's different in your sport and ours is like, it's five of y'all, but it could be five of y'all who are all multi-multi-multi-millionaires who I think, I don't know how many can have a max contract. I think he's up with three players or whatever. However it works for y'all, you can have all of these megastars. There's usually only one megastar on a football team, and that's the quarterback. Mm -hmm. Quarterbacks are treated differently. Quarterbacks are handled differently publicly. When you see a head coach speak about a dude personally the way he spoke about Russ, he showed the world he had a problem with the person. What, did, what, was, what was he saying directly about Russ? Oh, he said that he kissed too many babies. He said that he's not a politician, that he should be more focused on football. When he, as soon as he got there, he talked about the fact that Russ was doing things, whether it's quarterback, coach, or whatever these things were that Nathaniel Hackett allowed, that he immediately wasn't going to allow as soon as he got in without ever having a conversation with the man. Yeah. In the sense of, if somebody asked me about you and I don't know you, or it's before this show, and they're like, well, what do you think about Michael... Porter Jr. I'm not going to speak out publicly. I'm like, I don't know him. Yeah. Right. I think, I think he could hoop. That's all I, you know. And so I think when you saw that and also too, you and you're an adult, right? When you and your coach have conversations or he wants to correct you, unless it's egregious, those are conversations, right? He's never going to talk down to you, belittle you, insult you because you're a grown man that understands what your job is and you're doing your best to get that job done. Russ is playing Detroit and he is going out of his way to make it a scene to show that Russ is wrong, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a setup, yeah. right? That's a setup. So now when I do bench him, I could say, well, you could see that things weren't working. Where when it comes out, you call that man early on in the season and try to extort him or bully him into changing his contract and threaten him with yeah, benching. Yeah, no, that was crazy. You know what I'm saying? And so like, to me, I just thought it was, I just thought it was foul. And like, I don't know Russ. Like, Russ isn't, isn't my friend. But to me, right is right and wrong is wrong. Mm -hmm. And I felt like uh, he was mishandled. And, you know, I spoke out about it. And I still stand where I stand, you know. And like, they tried to bully him. And I do believe some of the stuff that Channing is talking about and the way that Russ presents, like, we also know, like, Russ always says the right thing, right? He never wants to ruffle, ruffle feathers. His image is important to him. Russ wasn't going to be the dude to fire back at Sean Payton when he was treating him like that or talking to him like that. Whereas, like, another grown man is going to be like, nah, man, you're going to talk to me like a man. I got kids, too. I didn't know too much about him before, like, we, we got to kick it. And I know, like, stuff does bother him. He's one of them dudes. He's not like me. Like, I have I have a faith in God, but, like, if somebody talks, I'm going to talk crazy. He's always one of them dudes that looks on the positive side of things, like, no matter what. Like, I don't know how he does it, He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a good dude. Like I've learned some things from him. Um, he does care about football a lot. Like every time I'm there, he's getting treatment, watching film, doing some about football, but he is very, very like positive, um, and tries to protect his image. I just want to put that out there. Cause I mean, I know there's a stigma out there that he might be like corny or no, lame. No, I know, I know. Bro, so to, to the point, and it's something I said, RC, 
Right. This is the thing, because we got a lot, I got a lot of flack about that. Season ends. Friday night. You want to go party. My thing was, I'm not calling Russ to go out and hit the streets. <laughs> nah, he's not the dude to call for that. Russ, he's not, Russ, but, but he, he doesn't want and to he doesn't want to do that, that because that. he's not made, like, he's not, like, I always say he's not like us. And, like, but the that's, thing about being lame, okay. like, but I know it's okay. That's, that's okay. what I'm saying. It's not like, a negative. So, like, like, watch this. Like, like, you would want your daughter to, to date a square. Yeah, I want my daughter to marry a square. So, so then that's, so then really when you call somebody like lame or corny or whatever, it's not really an insult because that's somebody you would want your daughter to marry. I know, but I would want to hang with him. I'm going to say this. You don't have to be corny to treat a woman, right? So I'm not going to say it. Like, just because... But you know like, what like, I'm saying. Like, just because some do, But yeah, but like, but what I'm trying to say is it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make you, like, being square, like, not going out and all that stuff doesn't make you square. Just it's square. What, what, what it is, and what I think he was trying to say was... Was it like the thing where he was talking about uh, the, 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 the warming up on the plane or whatever? No, no, but I think... It's, it, the, it's the Broncos country, let's ride. No, it's the shit uh, he does. Like, I would say it's this. Lame. We're going to move on. We're going to move on what it feels like. And he, he eventually came out and spoke about the Sean Payton thing, oh, right? Okay. And, he, and he actually said, okay, this is what happened. When someone is as image conscious as Russ is, it seems inauthentic, mm-hmm. right? I could disagree with you on things that you say, but if you always present to me in a way that I feel like is you, right? And it's your true thoughts, your true feelings, what you're actually dealing with, I'm like, whether I agree with him or not, I feel authenticity from him. People like to feel authenticity. It's why people love Allen Iverson. Yeah. Right? Because the establishment wanted him to be a certain thing, and he was like, this is all I am, this is all I can be, and I'm going to be it every day. Yeah. And I think sometimes when you do listen to Russ, when I ask you a question about the sky or if I ask you a question about football and they're the same answers, they can't be. Right? If they're just a cliche, made-up answer before you come into it. And I think that's why people have felt that way, but Channing's not wrong. I don't think Channing is wrong. I just think it's also okay for him to be himself. Yeah. Um, you know, but I want to ask you this question. It's how we end every show. I know you got to go. Well, first of all, I appreciate your time, bro. I know you're on the nah, road. This has been dope, bro. Yeah. I've enjoyed this. Show. I know you wrote. We always ask everybody about their biggest pivot, right? And for you, somebody who's gone through so many things, different moves, uh, you know, some letdowns, obviously the extreme highs of winning, what is that one moment you point to, Mike, that if you don't have it, MPJ is not where he is today? Man, I'm going to choose um, a moment that happened like earlier on in my life because I've seen God's kind of hand on my life the whole time. That's why I trust him even through my injuries. I think it was probably sixth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. We're driving back from uh, AAU Nationals. I'm with my teammate and I'm in the back of the car. We pull over on the highway um, so that his so that his grandparents can catch up. His mom's driving a car. His grandparents are behind us. They got to catch up. So we stop on the side of the highway. And I'm chilling. I roll the window down because we there for like 25, 30 minutes because we drove from far, like 10 hours away for this for this tournament. I'm chilling with my arm out the window. Man, she and it was out there for a cool 10 minutes. I'm chilling. I'm like on, on my phone or whatever it is. And she's like, Mike, put your arm on the window. And I get hot because it's not my mom. And, and second of all, like, it's been out here this whole time. Now you want to tell me to bring bring my arm on the window. Man, so I put I pull my arm on the window, rolled up the window. When I tell you probably 15, 20 seconds later, we got a side swipe on my side of the car. 
the glass comes in the car and everything like that. Like my arm would have been gone, bro. And this was my arm was chilling out there for a cool 10 minutes. 15 seconds after I brought my arm in the window, the car hit us on my side. Like I would say for me, that's the point I look back on my life. Um, where I'm like, okay, God was there for me then. He got me. He got me then, he got me now. You know what I mean? So I think that's a big pivot. Obviously, I got some other ones, but that's one that just came to mind right now. I wanted to share that. How much did that affect you though in listening to people? Right? Because yeah. because you know you, you your your thought like that that like that's a and I don't want to call it a nasty thought, but that's a thought. You're like, oh, man, look, like you're my you my not my parents, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't have to listen, but in listening, it Probably maybe saved, saved life. your life yeah. and definitely saved who you eventually became. Um, yeah, definitely. I think it just I've always had respect for, you know, my parents right. and for other parents, but it definitely taught me a lot. First of all, it just taught me, you know, sometimes God speaks to you through other people. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, a lot of times people are are mad when they don't hear from God or they're they're going through something and they just feel like they're praying and nobody's talking back. Sometimes God will put somebody in your life or it's just a simple word. And that right there is how God's talking to you. So I think I picked up on that a little bit more. Nah, man, that was dope, man. We appreciate you, bro. Man, appreciate you. Yes, sir. Cool, for real. That was dope, though. Mm-hmm. Hey, so, hey when, if he's sitting down and dab me off, I don't feel I know, this bad. Right? <laughs> oh, Keep going, like Gumby. Appreciate All you. Right, hey, bro. For sure. Hey, for sure. when he stood up, it was what like... What size though? 13, bro? <laughs> He's 14. 14. Hey, it was like... like it's just hey, crazy, though. One. Only basketball players can find shoes in 14s. Right? Like, yeah, the, 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 regular, the regular kid you know, walking right? around the 14, he wearing shacks. 14s is like the last size they'll, they'll have in store. Yeah, yeah. They, they ain't gonna have no 15. He wearing shacks. The shacks with the, the shack dunking. You can't wear shacks. You know what I'm saying? If you wear a 14. Where you wanna take this picture at, bro? Can we take it here? I got a dope show, though, bro. Appreciate it. I'm definitely gonna take some tips. Y'all gonna steal it. Yeah, for sure. I saw with Jokic on your shit. When he was talking about he don't like basketball. He was just like, man, I don't like his life. He don't, well, bro. He don't. He, he doesn't like attention. basketball. He don't even want to have like a. He he loves basketball. He don't like the fame that comes along with it. He don't like. He it. don't like the attention. Any, any of that, bro. But but. Wow. Chan ready for the picture? The money. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yo, I can't make me stand. That always made well, me. Yeah, anybody right? over six three, they made me stand next to this I'm nigga. But taking the picture nah, like this, fam. Yeah, in the middle, right? <laughs> Why your face like that? Down a little bit of Why your face like that? Because I'm the most handsome person of the four. You taking a picture right there. I'm getting that. Shut up, that's just funny. Shut up, that's just funny. I'm definitely need to get up. Hey, this nigga long, long. Oh, man. <laughs> he's still, bro. This nigga long. Hey, he's still. <laughs> and thanks, bro. MPJ, he's still with it, dog. Like, this dude, wow. Hold up. Limitless. Take a simmer cap, pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, got me up. On a mission, got me up. Knowing me, I got the key. On the vision, I can trust. Trust. Limitless. Take a simmer cap, pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, got me up.